Hey, this is Ken Finnan at Capital Advantage Tutoring, and it's my job to get you past the 63. So I did the most important, the, one of the last minute videos for the seven. Now I'm going to do the rest. I'm going to do the 63 and the other ones. But what's really cool is that you do this one. You do the 63 one, this, and then you match it with the quick and dirty 66. You're good. So I'm almost doing two at once. I get the 63 now, and then I run into the series 66. You put the series 66 quick and dirty together, and we got a plan. Takes a while. Hopefully, it won't take a whole hour to do this shit because it shouldn't. But these are all like the last minute things that you should just know. Again, I'm assuming that you're ready to take the test. And this is just like a last minute, just like a hot list of stuff you need to know. So again, the number one video you need to watch before you take the 63. Okay, so these are all little things that you probably need to know. You should know. But remind you, remember, a person could be anything that can sign a contract. A lot of people forget this. A person is anything that can sign, any person that can sign a contract, whether it's an entity or an individual or a government or a school or whatever it is. But more, more likely on the test, you'll hear what's not a person. So remember, dead, dumb, don't touch. What does that mean? So what's not a person? A dead person is not a person. Obviously, they can't sign a contract. Dumb, unfortunately, politically incorrect. An incapacit mentally incapacitated person, coma, stuff like that. Is not a person because they can't sign a contract. Third, don't touch under 18. That enough said, right? Leave them alone. Okay. They cannot sign contracts. So if you're like an 18 or 19 year old person studying for the exam and you have a younger brother or sister, you can literally tell them you're not a person. Okay. Moving on. Now remember, a person can be an entity or an individual. It can be either one. There we go. Okay. Real quick, administrator, what do they do? They run the state. They cannot arrest or enjoin. Enjoin. Like an injunction. So an enjoining is you, you file an injunction with the court. So I issue a cease and desist for you because I'm the administrator. And you go, fuck you. I'm not doing it. I'm not listening. I'm going to keep working. So then I go to the court and get an injunction against you, which enjoins you from doing work, which puts real penalties if you keep doing it. I can, as administrator, I can deny, suspend, revoke your license. Okay. I can subpoena you. That may show up. I can absolutely send a subpoena. Literally anyone can send a subpoena. My jurisdiction as an administrator is in the state. Now, I can investigate outside the state, but anything that happens in my state offer and sale is in my state. Remember that. Any offer or sale that happens in my state or to my people, I can investigate and I have jurisdiction. You may not have to register, but I have jurisdiction. Remember, registering, having to register in jurisdiction are not always the same thing. Also, remember, originated, directed, accepted. Originated in a state, directed to a state, or accepted in a state, all would give that administrator jurisdiction. Not if I send the check from there. Quick one. A broker-dealer, a BD, is a firm. Broker-dealers are firm, registers all three. This is the big one. It registers SEC, FINRA, and the state. Now, when do they have to register in a state? When they have a client in the state, a retail client. Now, remember something. Accredited, high net worth, those are retail, even accredited and high net worth. So think Elon Musk is retail. So anyone who makes less than him or has less than him is retail also. Remember that that's going to come up. If you have a single retail client in a state or an office, you have to register. What I always tell people on the broker dealer side, no office, no retail, no register. No office, no retail, no register. But remember, for broker dealers and agents, there's no de minimis. I mean, if you have one retail client, IAs have the de minimis, which we'll get to. But broker-dealers and agents, one retail client, they have to register. So either a place of business, office, or retail client, they're going to register. No exceptions, really. Obviously, if someone's visiting a state, you don't have to register in the state just because they're visiting. On that note, Canadian broker-dealers, if their clients are visiting the U.S., do not have to register. 
I looked it up. There's a lot of books say different things. It's literally from NASA a letter saying, if 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 you're a Canadian broker dealer and your client moves moves, you have to register. Visits the U.S. temporary residency, you don't have to register. Broker dealer is firm. Agent is individual. Broker dealer is firm. Agent is an individual that works for them. Where do the agents register? State and FINRA. FINRA and state only. Okay. Boom. Now. If they have a retail client or a place of business, they have to register. Now, they don't have to register everywhere the broker-dealer does. They just don't. It's just not a thing. Agents can actually split commissions with other agents. This could show up. Agents can split commissions with other agents as long as they're equally registered. What does that mean? That means the other agent you're splitting it with actually is registered where you are and where the customer is. That's the most important thing is that they have to be registered also, and they work for the same firm or an affiliate. If you're if you work for the issuer, not the broker dealer, you work for broker dealer, you're selling ex exempt securities or whatever, you still have to register. You work for an issuer, it's an exempt security, exempt transaction. Don't worry about registering. As long as you're not getting paid commissions for it, you're good to go. Now, as far as agency, right? So we have what capacity, agency capacity, whatever it is. Remember ABC, I did the little short videos on it. ABC, agent, broker, commission. If you're an agent, you act as a broker, you charge a commission. If you're a principal, you're as principal, you act as a dealer, you do a markup, markdown, and you're using inventory selling out of your own capacity. Okay. Jumping over, IA, investment advisor is a firm, is a firm. Remember, an IA is a firm, not an individual. I know the books try to do the whole sole prop shit, but just remember, IA is a firm. Where do they register? Either SEC or state. You should know why, but SEC or state only. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, so what's not an IA? An IA is not, a broker-dealer is not an IA. This always shows up. A broker-dealer is not an investment advisor unless they start charging for the advice. Can broker-dealers give advice? Of course they can. They just can't charge for the advice. That would make them an IA. These are all little hitters. You should know most of what I'm doing. This is just to memorize and give you little tips and connect dots, okay? The IAR is the individual. The IAR is the individual, Okay. The IAR is the individual and they register state only. There's no federal covered IARs, okay? IAs, state or federal, never both. IAR, state only. Another exception to that, right? But let's see. You remember the plate you've read late? L-A-T-E. They say late, I say plate. Publishers, lawyers, accountants, teachers, engineers. If they're kind of doing incidental stuff, not charging for it, okay? If they're doing incidental advice, not charging for it separately, and it's not personal, they don't have to register. They give them. Like, I give advice all the time. Unwarranted, unsolicited, and usually really bad. But if as long as I don't charge for it, I don't have to become an investment advisor. And remember, the advice is on securities, okay? Not on futures and forwards and other stuff. It's on securities, giving financial plans, stuff like that. Now, an IAR is an IAR if they give advice or even supervise the ones that do. Remember that. IARs, if they give advice or supervise, they are considered IARs. The one thing about IAs and IARs they have, since there's no FINRA, if they have five clients or less and no office, no place of business, they don't have to register. It's called the de minimis rule. The de minimis does not apply to broker dealers or agents. A lot of people think they do. There is no de minimis broker dealers and agents. There is with IAs and IARs. As long as you start with no place of business and five or less clients or under six, they could say it anyway. You don't have to register. Now, remember, who doesn't ever have to register? Federal covered IAs. I, I got to bang that in your head. Federally covered IAs never register. Never, ever, ever, ever. Not on the state level. They can't. It's one or the other. Yeah, there's some exceptions where if they get under, they have to pull their registration. But you can't be both. If you're going to go into the state, you have to leave the SEC. Boom. 
If you see recommendation advice, that means IAIAR. If you see execute transactions, it's broker dealer agent side. Remember that. If you see advice, making recommendations, 90% of the time they're talking about IAs and IARs. If you see execute transactions, commissions, compensation for transactions, they mean broker dealer agent. I, that's absolutely going to show up. This is an easy one. We all should know this. State covered IAs, broker dealers, and agents all expire on December 31st. That's even if you start December 15th, it's going to expire on the 31st. You will absolutely get a question on that. Everyone has always, and I know somebody got two of them. Okay. IAs, state covered IAs, broker dealers, and agents all expire on the 31st. Even if you register on December 10th, it expires 21 day, day, days later, and you paid full year's fees. If one broker dealer takes over another broker dealer or one firm takes over another firm in the middle of the year, they don't have to re-register. They just fought what they call the successor firm. A takes over B. A, A is now the new successor firm. They get to write out on B's original registration. They don't have to pay new registration fees, but of course they're going to pay some sort of filing fees because states don't do shit for free. So again, professionals, IAR, state IA, BD, agent, all expire on the 31st of the year, as opposed to securities, which are anniversary, right? Securities register, and it's, say if you register, if you're effective on March 1st, it's March 1st every year, okay? So remember, professionals are 31st, the securities are anniversary of when they do it. Back to this. So we're back to the agents and stuff. On the state level, no fingerprints. FINRA, yeah, they require fingerprints. You do not require fingerprints for state registration. It is not a thing. If something changes in your life, it's promptly. All changes on the U4 and stuff are promptly but no later than 30 days. Move a branch, promptly but no later than 30 days. The actual answer is promptly, not 30 days. Promptly but no later than 30 days. Bang that in your head. Okay, forms, okay, to stuff. Just easy, quick hitters. Okay, these are quick hitters. Broker dealers use form BD. Broker dealer, broker dealers use form BD. IAs use form ADV, part one and part two. I have videos on that, okay? Form ADV is for advisors, part one and part two. Broker dealers are form BD. ADV, part one and part two. Part one has to be filed, both of them do. Part two is called the brochure or the disclosure doc. That's sent to the clients. You should know that already. Have to send it to them um, at or prior to the signing the contract. Or if it's state, 40 hours ahead of time or they get a five-day look. Just, we have videos on that. I'm just throwing it out there. U4 is for agents and IARs. U4 is for agents and IARs. So let's do it. Broker-dealer is for the broker-dealers. Form BD is broker-dealers. Form ADV part one and two is for advisors, both state and federal. Agents and IARs are U4. If you're an agent or an IAR, no fucking loans, okay? You can lend to, if you can send, lend to affiliates and you can send, you can borrow and lend from lending institutions. But other than that, no family, no best friends, no nothing. That's a FINRA rule. This is a state rule. You cannot lend. And NASA even wrote a letter to FINRA saying, please change it. But FINRA goes, fuck you. We're not doing it. The only ones that can lend to any customer pretty much are broker dealers. That's called margin under Reg T. You may see that. They may say, oh, you take a loan based on the asset, based on the securities in the state. That is margin. They can lend money on margin. Agents or IRs don't do it. They can facilitate it but the broker dealer has to still set the margin, okay? Remember this also before I move on. I just thought of this. IAs give advice, broker dealers execute, right? So if an IA has an order, they have to give it to a broker dealer to execute. When an agent leaves all three and goes to another firm, all three are responsible. The leaving firm, the agent, and the new firm all are responsible. Obviously, the agent doesn't tell the state, 
But their job is to make sure that the firms did it for them. So remember, with agents, it's all three. IARs, it's a little different. An IAR, if an IAR leaves, it depends. If they work for a federally covered IA, the agent's responsible. The IA still does it, but the IAR is still responsible. So if you work for a federal covered IA and you and you and you leave, you're responsible for making sure the state knows. If you work for a state covered IA, the IA does it. So again, agent, everyone tells. IAR, if they work for a federal covered advisor, they tell, they have to be responsible. If they work for state, then the IA is responsible. One quick thing, I should add it in. I'll probably come, probably edit it back. An IAR who works for a federal covered advisor doesn't register, no matter how many clients they have, unless they have a place of business. Okay, let's talk about securities a little bit, okay? Securities are what this test is about. There's exempt and non-exempt. But remember this. So sometimes it's easier to remember what's not a security. But remember, there are five key words. If you see the word option, receipt, certificate, variable, or interest in. Okay, I'll try to put them there, okay? If you see option, receipt, certificate, variable, or interest in, that means it's a security, pretty much, okay? Now, if you want to sell a security in a state, it has to be one of three things. And I have a video on that. I'll put that up here. It needs to either be registered, exempt, or federal covered, or an exempt transaction. One of those three things has to be yes. It's either exempt. One of those three things has to be yes. Either registered, an exempt, or an exempt transaction. That's the difference. One of those three things has to be true. Not three of them, not two of them, one of them. Either registered, exempt, or an exempt transaction. If it's not one of those three, if you can't answer yes to one of the three questions, can't sell it. Now, real quick, registered. Now, what are we talking about? Registered. There's three ways that we care about on the test. There's qualification. If you're going to sell your shares in one state only, qualification. If it's more than one state, it's coordination, SEC and state, both, okay? And the SEC has authority, okay? The SEC has authority. They never say approve. Never think regulators say approve. The word approve never, never, ever, ever comes out of your mouth, right? They will never say approve. No regulator ever approves anything ever, ever. And if they say, what can I say about registration? Think of the most cover your ass comment, like the SEC or the state has not ascertained the merits of the issuer or the person selling it, or it can be lawfully sold. Literally, basically saying, hey, you filled out the paperwork and you're not a felon, you're good to go. They're not approving you or even endorsing you or saying you filled out everything. They're just saying, hey, you filled out the paperwork and we can't find an issue not to say yes. So qualification is one state. Coordination is since you cross the state line, two states, but not federally covered. Okay. So that would be SEC and state. And when the SEC says yes, the state goes along with it. Third, notice filing. Notice filing. Notice filing is for federal covered securities. They're not registering in the state. They're just telling the state, hey, we're too big for you to care, but we're going to give you our paperwork just because we're nice. We fill that out. We pay your $200 fee and we move on. But you don't, the administrator does not have jurisdiction over us. We're federal covered. Obviously, anti-fraud, everything has. So anything exempt, anti-fraud still applies. But in this case, it still does. But they're not registering with the state. They're just called notice found. They're letting them know. Okay. Okay. Exempt securities. I'm not going to go down the list. You absolutely should know this by now. Exempt securities never register. Say that with me. Exempt securities never register. Okay. Exempt transactions, they're for securities that would normally have to register. But because of what you're doing, who you're sell selling it to, how you're doing it, it may not have to win that one time. I explain it this way. On, I did it on my live. Exempt security is like your friend. The owns, you own it. Your friend owns a nightclub. Your best friend. 
You walk in and out of there anytime you want. You're exempt. You never have to pay a cover. You can always walk in. No line. No nothing. Every time. There's, unless as long as you don't break up with your friend, you're good to go. Okay. That's an exempt security. You never have to register. An exempt transaction is we have a coupon to get in one night for free. So it's a one-time thing. You have a coupon. Hey, I can get in. I don't have to pay. But that doesn't mean you're going to get it the next time. Okay. So that's like unsolicited, non-issuer, selling to institutions, stuff like that. Again, I have the video for that. Exempt securities are always exempt. They never have to register. Exempt transactions, you would normally have to register the security, but because of the way you're doing it, you don't have to. Now, remember something. As an agent or an IAR, whether a security is exempt or not has nothing to do with you. Now, as I said before, if you work for the issuer, different story, but we're talking about agent of a broker dealer or an IAR. If this security you're selling is exempt or exempt transaction, that has nothing to do with you. Nothing. If you're exempt, it's because your own shit, not because of the security. Okay. Let's talk about ethics a little bit. Again, again, we're doing the last minute rush. Okay. So unethical, unintentional is always civil, never criminal. Unethical, unintentional is always civil, never criminal. That means they can go after you civilly. You can sue. They can ban you, suspend, deny. Cannot go to jail for that. Okay. Now, the, the, the statute of limitations for that is three years but no more than two years after discovery, right? So I've gotten a question. Can you force an administrator, can the administrator force an agent or an IAR to do the rescission after 10 years if it was only discovered a year ago? No, because the max length for statute limitations for civil is three years. So if I discover today, it's only two years from now, but never more than three. So if I screw you over today and in two years and 11 months, you figure it out. You only have one month to register, to register a complaint because the statute of limitations is three years max, but only two years after you discover it. Okay. Willful, that's for civil. Willful violations, willful, intentional fraud, that could be both criminal and civil. Willful, you see the word intentional, it's fraud, it's criminal, and can be civil. Statute of limitations for that is five years. And remember, the penalties for that for criminal. Three, remember the three, five, 10 rule, right? Three, I can't do it. Three, five, 10 rule. On the state level, it could be three years in jail or a five thousand and or a five thousand dollar fine. And on the federal level, it's five thousand five years and five thousand years in jail. Five years in jail and a ten thousand dollar fine. Now, what is rescission? I mentioned that, right? So rescission is basically you having to give the client their money back, plus a little bit of interest. And like their lawyer's fees and stuff like that. They have like 30 days to say yes or no. It's an offer. Now that that does not prevent you from getting in trouble from the administrator, but it does solve your problem with the client. Now that's it. So remember, that's like high level, high level stuff, just last minute shit. You should probably just, it'll give you four or five points, maybe 10 points, hopefully 10 points will rock you through. But remember when you're taking this exam, take your time, read every question, Read all four answers. Maybe even read the answers first before you read the question. Time is an issue. So before you take it, make sure you're hitting about an hour to just under an hour on your practice exams. Because look, they still give you the what the minute, 20, minute, 30, but it feels tighter because it's less questions. So having a cushion is 15 minutes versus 45 minutes on the bigger exams. Take your time, get some sleep. Don't panic. Look for the word accept. I'm telling you right now, I tell everyone, there's not going to be as any Roman numerals. There will be some. But I always say on your pad, write the word accept on top, okay? On your scratch pad. And then every time that you see the word accept or not, take your hand off the mouse and put it on the word. That could help you, right? So take your hand off, put it on the put it on that word, 
And then what happens is when you, when you finish the exam, you've ever have a problem where you, you get through a whole question and then you forget that it was an accept. And then you're like, crap, I almost screwed it up. This will prevent that, hopefully, because it'll remind you when you take your hand off the words. Oh my God, it's an accept question. Anyway, guys, we got this, right? Hopefully I'll see you. Hopefully you come on here after you pass and come on my live and say, hey, we passed the exam. Boom, boom, boom. I love it. Um, every Tuesday and Thursday night, I do a live q and I'm the OG baby, right? I'm the original. I got it. Love you guys. Talk to you later.